1: Tap the banner to go to monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template.
0: No judgment. Hello and welcome to the Money Nerds podcast, where owning a calculator, budgeting your money, and having a net worth is actually cool. I'm your host, Whitney Hansen, and each week I'll be chatting with inspiring people to learn their secrets to financial success. Now let's dive into the show. One of the reasons I love side hustles so much is because you never know where it might take you. And that is one of the big messages I learned from today's guest, Alex Jangard. Alex is such a cool guy. He's one of those people that is just such a heartfelt person and does everything with passion. And I think his passion really shows up a lot in this episode about the quality of work he does and how excited he is to just do these really cool custom pieces. If you are unfamiliar with Alex Jangard and his company, Heart of Timber, It is such a cool company, you guys. Heart of Timber, it's a custom high-end woodworking company located here in Boise, Idaho, which is where I live. And the cool thing about Heart of Timber is it started from his garage. Started in a one-car garage, expanded to a two-car garage. And he's still running his business from his garage. It's the coolest thing because it shows you really – what can happen if you buckle down and really pursue a side hustle? A lot of times those side hustles, when you're diligent and consistent and actively working on constantly getting better and just being you know, a little tiny bit better every single day, you never know where that's going to lead you. In Alex's case, it led him to his occupation, the job that supports him and his four kids and his wife. And I think it's so cool because you would never expect that to happen until you start to try these side hustles. You don't know what doors are going to open. And I think Alex is such a good example of that. In today's episode, we cover a lot of ground. You're going to really dive into what it takes to run a woodworking business and what that business model actually looks like. We talk about how Alex started Heart of Timber, despite not having a background in woodworking or furniture. We talk about teaching kids resourcefulness. This is something I've been pondering myself and really trying to wrap my head around. How do you teach kids to be resourceful? The importance of networking, even in the furniture business, you wouldn't necessarily think it's as important, but it sure is. And Alex, Talks about why. What made him decide to take the quality over quantity route? I think in most businesses, you have this fork in the road moment where you have to choose do you go for something that's a little bit more high-end or do you try to be the quote-unquote Walmart of the world? It's a really tough decision. Neither one is right or wrong, but we talk about why he decided to make that decision. Actual woodworking and furniture tips and tricks that Alex lives by. Of course, I'm geeking out on this. As a furniture flipper, anything I can do to get better at my own craft is something I'm constantly pursuing. So it was really nice to hear some of his tips and tricks. We talk about how working with expensive, materials can be seriously high stakes. Like we're talking $3,500 slabs of wood. Can you imagine working on that? Immediately I had anxiety when he was telling me about this. It's really interesting to see how he deals with that type of expensive material. He shares a little bit of what some of the biggest furniture trends are that he's actually seen. We talk about how he made $25,000 through TikTok Yeah, he's actually very good at marketing. And this is one of the pieces that I admire about him too, is he's not just a woodworker, he's also a marketer. And he definitely proved it with $25,000 in sales through TikTok. We talk about working in the trades and why we feel like that is so undervalued. And you're gonna get a really good idea of what it actually takes to run a woodworking business. I hope you guys love Alex as much as I do. He is such a cool guy and I'm so excited that he took the time to come on the show. Before we dive into the content, let's go ahead and hear a quick word from today's sponsor. There's a lot of pressure on small businesses to hire the right person because when you're a small business, Your team is usually pretty tiny, right? One wrong move can actually hurt your entire company. And that's why I'm really excited to tell you about Indeed. I've been talking about Indeed for a little bit now. You guys know it's such a powerful tool, especially for people that are trying to find quality candidates, because let's be real, historically hiring can be a huge pain in the butt, but not in today's world when there's really amazing companies like Indeed. Indeed Indeed.com is a hiring site that helps you find quality candidates with Indeed Instant Match. This is the coolest thing, you guys. Indeed searches through millions of resumes in their database to help you show great candidates instantly. So you're only seeing the people that are actually relevant to your job. So you can do the part you really need to do faster, which is meeting and hiring great people. Unlike some hiring sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility, delivering a quality shortlist faster. With Indeed, there's no long-term contracts whatsoever. You can pause your account at any time and you only pay for what you need. With Instant Match, you see a list of really great candidates with zero weight. And Indeed delivers four times more hires than all other job sites combined according to Talent Nest. Want your quality shortlist fast? Then you need Indeed. Right now, our listeners get a free $75 credit to upgrade your job post at indeed.com slash money nerds. This is Indeed's best offer available anywhere. Get a free $75 credit at indeed.com slash moneynerds. Indeed.com slash moneynerds. This offer is valid through March 31st. Terms and conditions apply. All right, now back to the show. What's up, guys? I am so excited to have one of my in-person friends on the podcast today, Alex Jangard. Thanks so much for hanging out. Thanks for having me. I am so stoked because you are a rock star, and I have seen you literally start your business from the ground up, and it's been super inspirational. So, tell us a little bit about how the heck you got into starting Heart of Timber.
1: Yeah, well, thanks. It's it's really cool to be friends with you as well. I think you're a total rock star, and I know a lot of people look up to you. So, I'm uh, I'm excited to be here. So, yeah, the Heart of Timber basically got started from like an itch that I had. I grew up really blue collar. Mm -hmm. and working with my hands, tinkering on stuff. Um, And then at college at Boise State, I like lost that, right? Like my my hands got soft, right, so to speak. And I had the urge to do something, like tinker manually. And so I just, um, I hacked my way through making the state of Idaho cut out with a jigsaw for the first time and just went, bought a really cheap piece of wood from Home Depot and... (laughs) Hacked it out. I made this like shape. I like roughly drew it. It's really ghetto, but um, (laughs) made it. And then I hung it on my wall. And it was so funny. I had some friends over for some beers and they were just like, How much do you want for that? And I was like, Really? How does like 20 bucks sound? And they were like, Sure. So they just like took it off my wall and walked home with it. So So it started. And from there, it's been a a great journey so far.
0: Well, you've been kicking butt. And I, I, guess I didn't quite make that connection until I started doing furniture flipping of how much work cutting wood into the shape of Idaho with a jigsaw would have been (laughs) like, what the heck?
1: (laughs) Yeah, it did. It took like an hour and a half. Like I had to trace it a few times, pencil, flip it over, like do all this stuff from there. It started out like, okay, I sold a few. I put it on Etsy and then I started printing the -hmm. state. I would like go to a print shop because I didn't have a printer. No millennial ever has a printer like (laughs) ever, that's and true. so I went to a print shop, got one and I cut them out of paper and I tape it to a piece and then trace it. And then I would cut from there, but yeah, it took forever. And they were not, not nearly as good as the stuff that I could produce today. That's, that's, that's where you start, man.
0: Yeah. Really scrappy. I mean, I, I admire that. I think it's super cool. I'm curious yeah. for, for you, you. So you grew up in the San Juan islands. Can you tell us a little bit about what were you doing when you lived in the San Juan islands at that time in your life?
1: Yeah. That was such a blessing to grow up there. Like what a cool community. I Mm -hmm. think even now there are people, so it's about a 6,000 person town, which is, you know, if you're from real small town, Idaho, that's like a huge town. Right. But it's a small town up in Washington. And the vibe of there is everybody knows everybody first, middle and last name. And uh, I don't know, my family was You worked as hard as you needed to for the things that you wanted in life. So we were small business owners. We owned a uh, manufactured homes community. And it was really cool. Now, looking back on it, what a cool business model. But I grew up, I started digging holes when I was like eight. Like, you know, my dad would, and I, it was cool because he involved me. I wasn't, I'm sure I wasn't that much help, you know, but uh, he let me go out and dig holes or whatever. And it was manual labor. He started... It took over that business when he was thirty, and my mom was twenty-eight, and so they, you know, fixed everything any day of the week. If something broke up there, we were on our own water system and sewer mm-hmm. system, so they were responsible for all that. And I grew into—I was the oldest son. This so was my sister, uh, and then two years my me, and then five years younger was my brother. So I was the one that was showed the most interest in like helping pops with stuff around it was called the oaks was the name of it cuz it was a bunch of oak trees oh i
0: love um,
1: it yeah so from there it was really cool we had that that rooted like hard work everybody in my family very hard working family and then the community around it, it was small sports i was really athletic and all that stuff but you still i don't know it was a, it was a really cool community that everyone was involved in mm-hmm. um, and you know the people that owned the grocery store like we were friends with and I love all that, that stuff so Yeah. Just a really like grassroots place to grow up. It was awesome.
0: Do you think that's affected your line of work today? Like, did you shy away from that initially and then lean into it later? Or how did that affect you?
1: In respect to what I'm doing today, which is woodworking, building furniture. I didn't grow up like doing woodworking. It was just working with Mm -hmm. my hands. So what I actually am excited about now is the way I see it was it was problem solving Mm. and, It was being on an Island. If, if a part store didn't have a part, you just made your own. Like you couldn't wait a week to solve a water leak or if a truck wasn't running, you just figured it out. And so looking back, that's one of the first times I actually thought about like that is um, you just, you had to figure things out. Power outages, right? Like, yeah, I don't remember it. I was really young, but apparently there was, it was like a week and a half with the whole Island didn't have power. Oh it my was gosh. some main, yeah, like crazy. Right. And so, um, some water, like some power line on the bottom of the ocean floor, like leaked or flooded or something. And the whole Island was just cut off. And so people just figured it out. People were scrappy up there. And so that translates today with what I'm doing. And I had the confidence to just figure things out. Like mm. I didn't, I didn't go to furniture school. I didn't go to woodworking school. I got my degree in marketing, you know, yeah, um, totally different. So, so yeah, Yeah. <laughs> So now it's like, okay, I'm going to build this table. I've never built it before. How do you do it? And so I think like you encourage a lot of your audience members. It's just like, hey, like set a goal, do it. There's lots of resources out there called YouTube and Google and all those other places. Like I'm sure someone has done that. So it's given me the confidence and the, the foundation to just do it
0: this is such a weird question, but I've been, I, you know, this, I don't have kids, but you do. And so I've been thinking about this a lot lately of how do you teach resourcefulness to kids? And I'm like, God, like, how do you do it? It seems like your parents did a phenomenal job with you, but is there anything that you would do to teach that to your kids?
1: Well, thanks. I I do owe them a ton of credit. They involved me a lot Mm. in everything. They let me struggle um, with things. So in my opinion, that's what it takes for kids is a Measured level of uncomfortableness is it whatever? What's the word for that? Uncomfortability? I don't know. <laughs> discomfort? Maybe um, discomfort. <laughs> 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 so great, I know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> We're like sitting here, like, what is that word?
1: Yeah, that's why I'm not involved in any kind of word. Stuff, if <laughs> you would. <laughs>
0: whatever.
1: Yeah. So, so, anyways, that's what I would do with my kids. Is like, okay, if they want to build this, like paper airplanes. My son's in a pa- paper <laughs> airplanes right now. One we about the fastest paper airplane. Like, how do you do that? Like, yeah, you could just look it up on YouTube and like find a video with 20 million views, and that's clearly one of the best ones, right? Sure. But to have him like fold a piece of paper and screw it up, or like get a paper cut, or all kinds of stuff, you, like you have to let your kids go through that. And that's so hard as a parent. You want your kids to be so safe and so happy, and if they're if they're sad, you're failing as a parent. And I feel like that all the time, but I don't think that's true. Mm-hmm. I think that it takes letting people fail. And to an extent, like there's a book I read, it was talking about letting your kids to an extent like suffer. Mm. And I think it produces grit in people.
0: I freaking love you that. Know? I think that's so, such a wise thing to say.
1: It's it's hard and I'm not perfect. I'm not a perfect dad, but man, I'm trying. And, uh, it's, it's hard. It's hard to see your kids cry or, or be frustrated or, Go, like they're in swim school right now. So my, all my kids were fortunate to mm. put them in swim school. And sometimes there are some things that is really hard. It's kind of friggin' scary in a pool. And, you know, um, but oh my gosh, what a cool outcome when, when you let them struggle and you see them go through things and then they do it on their own, mm. like the little nuggets that carries you as a parent for weeks.
0: So awesome. You're such a great parent. I, I love yeah. following your journey. Like you, you really are an exceptional parent. <laughs> like every time I'm like, man, that is like gold. Thanks. It is
1: incredible. <laughs> Thanks. I, I got a lot of help. My wife is incredible. Uh, she's she, an awesome lady. She's a rock star. We are a great team and my gosh, she works harder than I do. She's we're gonna have our fourth kid in April. Uh, yeah. So eight weeks or so. So oh I owe gosh. her a ton of credit, but uh, thank you. I'm trying. <laughs> So
0: so awesome for kids. I love it. I mean, that's, it's a lot of responsibility, especially as a sole proprietor and like running your own business. Like it's crazy. So I'm curious for you when you initially started taking heart of timber to that next level and you said, okay, I'm moving past these Idaho signs. This was awesome, but trying to do bigger and better things. What was like the first piece of furniture that you created where you were like, what this could actually be a business?
1: I was Probably. I did a few coffee tables, but that wasn't really an aha moment. It was probably a big project. So mm. let's see, I started, I, I said I was going full time September of 2016. And then February of 2017, I got an opportunity to do brewery furniture mm. um, for my, my hometown, salmon Island brewing. And it was like one of those projects where I had never done anything. Like I don't weld. So I, I had to partner with a welder, mm-hmm. but it was a $50,000 job. And I had just gone from like, oh sweet, I sold like 10 signs. We can pay our bills kind of, (laughs) uh, you know, to like, here's 50 grand. And now it's funny because nowadays that project easily would have been double. Like I, it's just, yeah, there was so much work. I think I calculated it at the end of the day, I ended up making like $4 an hour for the time that I had worked, you know? (laughs) So, but that job has said like, Hey, you did this brief furniture. Can you do mine? Can you do this? Can you do that? Um, I'm so excited. that one was the first where I was like, oh, this could really be something bigger. And granted, so my welder that I worked with, he was working out of a one-car garage and I was working out of a two-car garage, and I rented this house that I was in. I had a plug-in in the ceiling for my garage door opener and a <laughs> plug-in in a wall. And I ran and I would always flip the breaker. It would shut off my son and my daughter's uh no, Molly wasn't born yet. So my son's bedroom. <laughs> Power all the time like they would just lose power <laughs> mill and, <night. laughs> uh, so, and then eventually we ran a an extension cord from my dryer. I had like a tool that ran 220. Oh, so yeah? I, I made this my own extension cord and I unplugged my dryer and I would plug it in. It's so oh and I didn't have heat so in you know in oh, Idaho man. up here it's freezing so if it was above freezing for the day it was a great day. Um, and, and so from there, it was like, okay, I, I made a little bit and it's just funny how things happen. I get back into town. I'm not kidding you. The day I get back into town from delivering this furniture, I get headed by this guy named Casey Allen and he is one of the co-founders of the still downtown mm-hmm. and it's an ice cream shop. And he said, Hey, uh, someone said that you build furniture. We're opening an ice cream shop. Do you want to do it? And I was like, what? Like this is so good. I do. <laughs> yeah. Like the night I get home. So crazy.
0: How did he n- hear about you? Cause I always, I'm always so interested when people first start a business, it is very much word of mouth. So how did Casey hear about you and your woodworking?
1: It's quite literally someone, he, he made a post on Facebook. I'm looking for someone to build furniture. And one of my friends from college, um, his name's Dan Goodale. We weren't even that close in college, but we knew each other mm. and he tagged me on Facebook and I responded like immediately. And That's awesome. I, we started talking and yeah, same thing from there just worked out. So quite literally word of mouth, very organic, very natural.
0: That's amazing. I'm curious for you, how how do you make your money in your business today?
1: I was thinking about this. I thought of like three simple answers to that is sure. I make quality furniture, I sell it. And if I come out with a profit, then great. But that's very simple. The next one is I know the right people to talk to in town that give me the best prices. Mm. So, and then the the, ref, the third refining way that I actually make money that I'm still working on is a combination of knowing the right people to get the best prices on things and then not screwing up a mentor that we both share, Kevin and Ed and Marilyn, they mm-hmm. always uh, talk about paying the dumb tax, you know? Yeah, and time. so <laughs> I am always still screwing up <laughs> uh, on like, Oh, I knew I shouldn't have done that. Or I shouldn't have put that finish on this way or whatever. And it cost uh, me two hours and the, you know how it is. Like literally that's time. I shouldn't be doing that. Right. But if, if it all pencils out how I, I should, my margins typically are like 40% materials oh. and 40% labor. And then I have sales tax and profit. So if I do it right, it can be very profitable. And, you know, my average sale is probably around $4,000. So, you know, if I, if I do the volume that I need to, I can just be very just in time manufacturing and, and mm-hmm. materials and everything else out of my garage. I'm in my garage, crying out loud, you know, freaking um, it. <laughs> but that's the best way that I found that I make money is just knowing the right people and, and really treating them. Well, I think that goes a long way. Whatever industry you're in, like Mm -hmm. whether it's a supplier or a referrer or a, a cheerleader or a, like whoever that person is to you or a partner, like Mm -hmm. making sure that they feel respected and um, valued and all that stuff. Like my supplier's, Sometimes they'll just give me a huge break and that's the margin that I needed to pay for whatever, you know,
0: that's amazing. I I think you're hitting on a really good point. And one of the things that I'm always interested in is as a business owner, especially when you're selling products. And I I mean, I'm going to honestly say it's art because your stuff truly is like artwork. It's beautiful. But when you have this moment where you can either sell a thousand Etsy signs or you can do custom high-end furniture what made you decide to go more of the custom route versus the quantity route?
1: It was a mental bandwidth mm. of Etsy orders were great. We had some volume, but a $75 sign came with a list of questions. What stain color, what font, what this, da, 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 da. where's my sign? Where's my sign? And the custom pieces is uh a mental capacity you know my crms in my head which is not a great operational model but i can manage it and yes. um you know if i have i could probably do about a dozen projects at a time that's probably my capacity and each project could range from a $1000 coffee table to a i'm just closing a deal on a $15000 conference table you know awesome. so it, those kinds of things to me is like i know i can put this much energy into communicating with this person Handling their materials, and after COVID, all my suppliers, their uh, supply chains got train wrecked. Right. So it's been crazy dealing with my usual lead times of things have just been blown up. So now that I don't have a hundred signs to make, and something goes wrong, it's like, hey, look, I can communicate with ABC. Say here's where you're at, and usually people are very understanding. You know,
0: That's
1: so true. Especially on a high ticket item, they understand, like you said, it is more of an artistic piece. They would care more that I spent time doing it right rather than rushing. That's fair. Yeah. To answer your question, probably a mental capacity limit.
0: Yeah. I think that's a really good understanding. And I think so many times we do try to go for like the the cheap and fast model, because I Mm -hmm. think a lot of it ties to our self-worth. I don't know. Like true story. When I first started furniture flipping, Dude, this first dresser that I did, I look back on that. I'm like, that is the ugliest thing in the world. Like, <laughs> what was I thinking? Yeah. But when I sold that, I remember feeling so insecure about my work. Like, oh, mm-hmm. is somebody yeah. actually going to buy this? Did you experience that at all when you started your business?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. I, you know, especially in the age we're in where they could go back on our Facebook feed three totally. months ago and be like, you weren't building furniture. Like, wh- who are you? You know, <laughs> <It's> and <simple. laughs> so you know now it's like okay, so five years ish full time, um, coming up on it in September, and that that imposter syndrome, like you know, we they always talk about is I have always struggle with that. Like mm. I take a lot of pride. The way that I've countered that is I'm a like a perfectionist. If I can't see any flaws in it, then I know that I could sleep at night. And I'm very, um, on the Enneagram. I'm like a two with mm. three wings. So like, I care so much about what people think about me to, a, um, a detriment of like, I lose sleep if someone's upset with me or something like that. So if I ever heard, like someone was displeased with one of my tables, it would like really hurt me, you mm. know? <clears throat> so I think to overcome that, I've just been so like picky in the things that I do. And I feel really good when I deliver stuff. Um, because I know my customers well too. Yeah. And, what my favorite thing is it allows them to feel proud of the space they've just created, you know, in their mind, they're like, okay, I want this color table. And I want this rug. And I want these chairs. And I want that light. And it's like, if I'm a part of that, that brings me so much joy.
0: I love that. I think it, it's, it's a true Testament to that pride of work. And I think you do have a lot of that too. And that is something that I would imagine you would develop over time as well as charging what you're worth. Mm. So I know for a while, everybody tends to undercharge in their business. When did you finally have this moment where you're like, okay, dude, like I am super undercharging and I'm not going to feed my kids and myself if I don't actually charge what it's worth. Was it, how did, how'd you have that come to Jesus moment?
1: Yeah, I was, it was probably a year, year and a half or two years in, I had just been like grabbing at any, any income. Like you want to sign cool. I'll make it. I don't care how long it takes me. I need the money. And then it was a, it was a combination of a volume and like, am I really going to do this for the next decade or five years or whatever? Um, And so I had a mentor uh, tell me like, you need to start at $50 an hour. If you're an artist and you actually Mm -hmm. take pride in your work, you need to start billing at $50 an hour. A, because you know, you're not actually billing for 40 hours a week and B, like people that expect nice things expect to pay for quality. Mm -hmm. So you need to pay yourself. Otherwise you're not going to care as much. Like if I'm, if I'm building at $15 an hour and I'm like, Oh, there's a little bit of pigtail or chatter in that. Like I'll just let it slide. But if it's like, Hey, these people paid $5,000 for this table. they better be damn good. You know? <clears throat> so
0: what's pigtail Timeout.
1: Um, like, you know, on a sander, like a random orbital yeah. sander. If it looks like a pigtail, like, Oh yeah. If you're sanding and you like move too fast with your sander and it creates this like a little loop, it looks like a little continuous pigtail um the way to get rid of that is use it's called like net sandpaper the ones without the holes oh yeah and you just go slow like just go really slow over it and then get up to you want to get all your pigtail out at 180 grit and then if you go because if you go past that and you have chatter you have to go all the way back down like 120
0: oh my gosh
1: Yeah, little tip there.
0: That's a great little tip. Okay, so teach me more of your tips. Are you going to Lowe's and just buying a piece of pine board or is that not good enough quality wood for the projects that you're doing?
1: For my quality, it's not. Just because typically I don't work with softwoods like pine. So Mm. it's all hardwood, which there's a lot of different suppliers around, um, but it's your maples, walnuts, um, beech, like all the hardwood stuff. If you're doing DIY stuff, like you can get by with it. Um, mm-hmm. I think the big box stores do supply that kind of stuff, but I always go to the specialty stores, um, A, because those are those vendors I was talking about that they hook me up with deals sometimes. And <clears throat> if there's ever a new project that I'm working on, they might have a tip or two on this kind of finish or that. So I only use, you know, it's like buying tools for me personally. I use them all the time. My rule of thumb is if I'm going to use something more than three times, I'm going to pay for the nice one.
0: Mm, that's a good role,
1: you know? So like Harbor Freight is cool. They do great stuff, but like, if I'm just gonna use it once, then yeah, I'll buy the cheap one. But if I'm going to use it, you know, all the time, like Festool, for example, is a brand. It's like the Bentley of tools, right? They they're really expensive, but my gosh, they are such good quality. They're so worth it for me because I can trust on them. I can rely on them. They call it the gateway tool <laughs> um, because it's like the vacuum setup. And then you have a sander and a different sander, and then a saw, and like you, you I can't stop. You know, that's awesome. Yeah. So yeah, I I only I shop from from the higher quality stuff.
0: Do you ever get scared? So my fear is I would go buy a really expensive piece of walnut wood, and I would be gun ho, and I would totally mess it up, and then be out all that money. Was that a fear for you?
1: Yeah, totally. I I remember the first um let's see it's probably well i'll still get it so for example with a live edge table like mm-hmm. a big natural slab of stuff um and for your audience if they've never seen one before it's basically like a chunk out of a tree like a mm-hmm. huge big slice of a tree there is only one of those slices out there and if you screw it up you, like, <laughs> what do you that do? Sucks. So I kind of went into it. That was the trend when I started, you know, and it still is popular is the live edge stuff, mm-hmm. but they're like, you, you really only got one shot. So you have to, you have to be very, you measure four times and you cut once, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so even last year I had a customer, they bought a very expensive table just for me, my price, not the marked up price, nothing for me to get this piece of wood was $3,500. Wow. And, and so I was like, I can't screw this up. There is only one of these. So yes, to answer your question, I, I get it all the time. And oh I have screwed up before I've like Woo! made a cut and you just have to tell the truth. That's my experience It's like, you just have to be honest about things or, you know, and, and then if the response is not good, now you have to fall back on that problem solving instinct.
0: Oh my gosh. I'm just picturing myself messing up a $3,500 piece of wood and it's like legit making me sweat.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's why you measure. I'm not kidding you. Like you, you measure a bunch of times, you mark, you leave the room, you come back and you measure again. Like, Oh, terrifying. Holy
0: crap. I'm curious, where did you learn your skills to get into woodworking? Did it start through YouTube and then it just expanded or how'd you start to learn?
1: Yeah. So it was, um, Basically it was a combination of the things people wanted along with what I was willing to risk. Like Mm. I still am learning how to use certain tools and do certain things. um, But I just started doing things that people were asking for and they will be willing to pay me for. Um, So that, but it's called chatter or pigtail, right? You learn about Mm -hmm. that as you, as you go along, you learn about using different finishes. I've come with like, maybe you've got a customer, like you're flipping a piece of furniture and you screw up the finish or whatever if you're on a timeline name a scenario and i've freaking gone through it like i want a piece of wood to not turn yellow but i need it in 24 hours and i want it really hard like mm-hmm. and i want <clears throat> there's well so many products and different scenarios and now i've gotten to the point where it's like if i can communicate with the customer clearly on what their expectations are and i can charge them amount so my rate has gone now to 85 dollars an hour good for you um yeah. Thanks. And it's, it's gotten to that point. It's like the threshold now where I am turning away more work. Mm-hmm. Um, like, so from people that we know that we have done this in business, that's a good, uh, offset to like, Hey, I've got way too much volume, raise your prices. Like yep. if you keep selling the same volume, great. You're making more money. Now you can maybe hire somebody. That's um, awesome. so yeah, I'm, I'm playing that game like mm-hmm. 65 to $85 an hour, depending on what I'm doing. Um, Cause it's it's just how it goes. Yeah.
0: I I freaking love that. Okay. Let's get nerdy for a sec.
1: What are,
0: what are your favorite products? So like stain, do you have a favorite brand of stain? Do you have a favorite top coat? What, what's your, your go-tos? I was
1: just thinking about this today, actually on um, finishes. So it's funny because people that don't make things for a living or maybe they're not into the DIY thing. A -hmm. lot of people think you can just put stain on a piece of furniture and you're done. Mm
0: -hmm. That's not the case.
1: You need, you need a top coat, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, but there's finishes with color and finish in them. So now people are, you know, there's all kinds of stuff. So, um, top coats, like in terms of finishes, there's this product that it's called a, um, a catalyzed polyurethane. So, uh, basically think your big box, um, can of polyurethane, but it's got a catalyst. So Mm. it dries in like 20 minutes. Oh, wow. Spray it on. And if your temperature is right. And everything you can re you can sand and recoat in 20 minutes yeah and yeah but it's wicked bad for you like so i refuse to shave my beard <laughs> so i wear a mask but it's like i can always feel it right here
0: oh and really it's pretty intense it,
1: it's really intense and so a like you know i'm in a residential area so i really you should be careful about the products i use sure. um <laughs> And then on top of that for my health, but the finish is so it's commercial grade. So the stuff is like for my house, we have it on ours. Cause I have, you know, great in-house quality control. <laughs> my little kid.
0: <laughs> No doubt.
1: Um, <laughs> so uh, it's a product made by ML Campbell is a, uh, they're the research division of Sherwin Williams. So Sherwin owns ML Campbell oh. ML Campbell creates new products. And then they like either they pri- they label it as Sherwin or maybe not. Um, but it's a catalyzed poly, which is great. The other stuff that I use, a brand that I really like, is called General Finishes. Um, You can find them in Woodcraft's. Woodcraft's a franchise um, Mm. across the country. And I think you can buy them online, too. Their stains are awesome. You can just tell the difference between, you know, a good... There's water, oil, and dye-based stains. Um, They just spread evenly. M.L. Campbell makes a really good stain, too. There's a Mm. solvent-based. And... I think that, well, so with their finishes too, this is where it gets in the realm of they offer finishes that can give you a color that you do or don't want, and a drying time, and then a hardness. Like there are lots of different uses for it, but um, that brand's awesome in terms of finishes and stuff. Uh, and anybody it, that's interested, what?
0: Oh, I'm sorry. Is it more expensive?
1: Yeah, a little bit, like a can of stains by 25 bucks instead of like 17. Got
0: it. No, so not significant though.
1: Yeah, not too bad. And then I think the quality of their finishes is awesome. Like if you go to a big box store and you get the verethane or the Minwax. Yep. Oh, Sherwin also owns Minwax, by the way. Um, it, like what? there, yeah, yeah. Um, so that's why Home Depot quit carrying Minwax. Yeah. I think Sherwin bought. Yeah. Um, so it's like it's fine, you know. It depends, but again, I'm going for that high quality product. Their general finishes polys are like award winning and they're, they're great. They're super easy to apply. Um, So, Worth yeah, it. I, I would check it out. General finishes, even if you're a DIYer, like, you know, look it up online. I think you can order direct. So, I will check into that. Yeah. Is
0: there, if, if you had to recommend one stain color that you think is most universal that most people like, is there one that comes to mind for you?
1: It's probably a walnut color. Yeah. Um, I don't know the name of it. It's probably called walnut. Or dark walnut. Um, everybody wants a nice dark, rich wood. Yeah, and a lot of people don't understand that you can put a clear finish on walnut and it goes dark. Like,
0: oh, I didn't know that. Uh,
1: so, like a yeah, if you went and got a slab of wood that's walnut and it looks really like light brown, kind of like a moke, like cocoa powder out of a a can thing. Mm-hmm. That's what it looks like. And you put a clear polyurethane, an oil-based polyurethane or something, it goes really dark.
0: That is so crazy.
1: Oh, yeah.
0: Fun fact uh, there.
1: Fun fact. Tip.
0: I love that. And then <laughs> yeah. when you're doing, you, you, I know you've dabbled with cutting boards. It's probably not a huge portion of your business, but when you were making cutting boards, what's the oil, like, is it oil that you use to seal it?
1: Yeah. There's a number of them. If you're the cheap route, you go mineral oil. Uh, you get, it's like nine bucks for like a two of it. Oh, um, wow. Any Amazon or whatever, or this stuff called Odie's oil. Uh, it's a actually trade secret product in Florida. It's like multi-generational, like hundred percent natural, a little tangent here. This Why I respect this company a lot is I use it for this application because it's great for like cutting boards and stuff, Mm -hmm. but really high traffic area uses. Mm -hmm. I have not had the greatest experience. So dining table, I would use it, but tell the customer, like you got to baby it a lot Ah, gotcha. so anyways this guy <clears throat> he has a solvent cleaner and different like products and his solvents like the most toxic and he drank some of it on instagram live
0: oh my gosh
1: yeah he's like i want to see my competitors do this i'm gonna show you how natural it is i'm gonna drink this right now No, took a swig of it and <laughs> he's still alive so <laughs>
0: <laughs> he's still kicking
1: it's <laughs> so freaking funny but, holy crap crazy huh so Odie, odie's oil uh made in america I, it's like 50 bucks for a jar but mm-hmm. it goes like really far so huh. uh end tables cutting boards like wall hangings picture frames yeah all that stuff it smells like a freaking candle too
0: oh it's even better.
1: Awesome. oh yeah
0: and you can drink so, it apparently
1: and you can drink you can eat it. You, hungry.
0: <laughs> you need a little sip
1: <laughs> yeah, a little boost <laughs>
0: so bad. <laughs> That's crazy. I love those tips. I think it's always so interesting to see, you know, the DIY yeah. products that like, I'm a Minwax wax person and then how yep. you have progressed so much. I just think it's so inspirational.
1: Oh, thanks. I, and again, there's nothing wrong with the Minwax stuff. It's just like a preference. I mean, mm-hmm. an experience like, well, I like maybe, and I'm really picky. So like we have to the be a little stuff. Uh, yeah. The littlest stuff might not go that far, but I think so it's just trial and error and you know, it's fun, which is always a, a joy to it, you know?
0: Yeah. yeah. What are you finding? What are the trends right now when it comes to furniture, specifically like wood furniture? What are you seeing that most people are requesting?
1: French antique
0: what? stuff.
1: Yeah. Like very specific, like uh, antique furniture, but new, like I want you to make me a new table that looks like it's a hundred years old. Very and like, cool. Oh. And then, and then the French twist to it. So like really thin profile mm-hmm. stuff like the hand-turned legs is big, but like actual hand-turned legs, not like bought at, you know, cheapjoes.com or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, French antiques, really interesting. The, the live edge tables are still really popular. The river mm-hmm. tables are popular. Um, but that's been the weird that's come up a lot. Like, real, I, I don't know what it is. Like, I'm wondering if there's going to be like this swing of like ancient furniture. Like if a maker figures out like, I am, I'm going to build this coffee table, like the Egyptians or whatever. And if it's like a trend, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, So this antiquing thing. So I think for flipping, you could crush it or someone that follows your audience. Mm -hmm. They would make a killing if they just know how to market it. Like literally go buy something at a garage sale. Like Mm -hmm. you're already doing flipping furniture or Facebook marketplace and then just market it as like French antique table, like guarantee that's what I'm saying. At least
0: this is so cool. I'm going to, yeah. I'll test this. I bet it will work. Yeah. I love yeah. that. You mentioned kind of that like ancient look, that older look too. That's something yeah. I've been experimenting with just for funsies where you take a board and you use like a wire brush and, you know, yeah. a su- sawzall and just like tear it apart. And it gives it yeah. such a weathered old look. It's kind of interesting.
1: Try this too. I haven't perfected it, but <clears throat> you take it's like vinegar and mm-hmm. you put a little bit of steel wool in the vinegar. And let it dissolve for like a week. Huh. Um, and then you brush it on and it creates an aging, you call it ebonizing. What? Uh, yeah.
0: Oh it's my crazy. gosh. That is so good. And you just do it like on top of just normal wood.
1: Yeah, just like a kind of like a stain. Like, so you get like a pint glass or something uh-huh. and pour vinegar and then like a little bit. Like, do maybe a couple different solutions for yourself so you can try it. Because if you use too much steel wool, it'll turn the wood like pink because it like rusts.
0: Oh, interesting. So
1: the wood, you know, it's weird. It's like a weird oxidation thing. Um, yeah. A little bit. You can create your own aging solution. By doing I'm
0: going to try this. That is such a good tip. Thank you for yeah.
1: that. Yeah.
0: Freaking love it. Okay. When did TikTok yeah. come into play for your business and does <laughs> it actually drive business for you or is this more for funsies?
1: Yes. It drives business. I probably made $25,000 off of TikTok in the Dude, last 18 months. Yeah. Get out. Yeah. Um, this guy is on the East coast he bought a desk um even shipped it out anything straight from tiktok like all kinds of stuff um it started what was the trend it was the was it the whoa no the song about the cowboys take my oh, horse that one yeah
0: the old town road one
1: oh yeah that, that one so i was like why is everyone saying this song what are people doing and I'm like, <laughs> oh it's I'm like like tiktok what is tiktok and then i saw there weren't a lot of makers at the time oh. there were some but i was like hmm. like like blue ocean, right? Like, Uh hmm, there's a ton of attention on this platform. And I wonder if people are doing river tables on here and like now it's flooded. Right. Mm -hmm. But you know, at the time I was like, Oh, I'll just try it. I wasn't, I'm not like a big videographer or anything, but it was easy enough to use like their inner, like their uh, editing features are super simple. So yeah, we did that. And it took a while. I probably posted what I don't know three times a week for a couple months, hmm, and then out cool. of nowhere, I had a video that had like two million views. Whoa! So, yeah, I've had a couple videos now that I've had a million or two million views, and it's like stirring epoxy. You're like pouring that's a river awesome. table. <laughs> it's like it's just, you never know. Uh, like you're that's flipping incredible. furniture, you bring so much value, and if the right people see it and what whatever, it goes from there. I think that's what it is. That's what my experience has been is if I provide value, like the DIY tips that actually help, um, people tend to have the most reaction, uh, and engagement. So,
0: man, well, I loved your yeah. tip too, that you were talking about using a, like a, a paper bag, I guess. And just like, as mm-hmm. a very small light sand, I yep. was like, I've got to try this.
1: <laughs> yes. that That's such a good one. And both so that vinegar one is an old timers mm-hmm. trick and then the paper bag so like i my, uh, you know we don't shop with paper bags because we just grab like the cheap like plastic ones or whatever and go from there yep. but if we have paper background it's like 2000 grit sandpaper like if you have hmm. tiny little like dust particles in your finish
0: yeah. you just like lightly
1: take it to it it won't as long as you don't like press down and scrub really hard it won't like mar it too bad Crazy. Uh, I've had the best luck with like a water-based poly doing that. Mm. Um, something that like coats the wood instead of like goes into it, you know,
0: love it. Yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try that too. I haven't, I have a project I'm working on that it would be useful for that. Um, so I'll let you know how it goes, but I'm definitely trying the vinegar tip. That is the
1: yes. bomb. Yeah. That's awesome. Was one of my favorites?
0: Who knows? I might have a pink console table <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. a much for to sale. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I know, right. If you see one yeah. on marketplace, you know it's me. <laughs> a French
1: antique, so antique it's pink.
0: <laughs> yeah. Right. With a cottage core love, <laughs> that's freaking hilarious. Yeah. Okay. So I'm curious for your business, Alex. What is what's next for you? Where are you taking this company? What's your next step? What's your goal? What's your vision?
1: I'm currently stuck in the uh, the classic. I've read the E several times. Right. Yeah. The classic, like, do I grow? And make it a one, two, three, four million dollar company. Right. Grow a team, all this stuff. We're right around quarter, like a, Which a is year. Ex- you know,
0: incredible.
1: Yeah, it's awesome. I'm so blessed to to do that. Like, I I don't say that as like, oh, we do this much. As like, I it's that's how much it takes. Like, we support a family of five, right. to six coming up, and um, you know, so I'm stuck. Like, do I? I can handle that much working? Probably twelve. So like, it's usually ten to twelve hour days. I don't want to do that forever, but that's where we're at. So now the question is, what do I do next in terms of, do I get more hands and do I hire people or do I get more space? And the feedback I've gotten has been mixed. Like if you get more space, you're going to need more hands to help you fill up the space. But if you get more hands and you're busy enough, you need more space. <clears throat> so, so, true. so I've even considered, this is interesting too. And if you have audience members, um, they can just email me or call me or whatever. Um, I'm considering buying a robot mm. and uh, like a robotic arm and they, there's a company called FANUC and they make, I think it's like 50 grand. Like you can buy a $50,000 robotic arm. Mm-hmm. You can get the sanding attachment oh. and they, they swapped out the robot. They, it <clears throat> um, swaps out paper. And so I'm like, okay, if I had if I finance a robot for f- five, $600 a month yeah, and then it doesn't, have sick days. It doesn't have bad days. It doesn't <laughs> Better complain, not. <laughs> it does the same damn thing. I want it to every time. Yep. Like, not that I don't like working with people. I love it. But I, my concern with is people that are in high school now do not want to do what we're like. They don't want to stand there and sand tables. Mm-hmm. And it's nothing against them at all. I didn't want to when I was in high school. But there are like big. There are bigger things out there. And so it's kind of a hedge of like the marketplace of people to employ, mm. I think is shifting crazy. They're not going to want to do it. True. Um, and I say that with context of the people that I could afford to pay won't want to do it. I could pay someone $75 an hour and they would care a lot, but I can't afford that.
0: That's a lot of money. You know? Yeah. Yeah.
1: I can't even pay myself that. <laughs> so. No, right? I
0: know. You're like, I wish. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you can so. you can hire me. I'll be your apprentice for ten fifty an hour. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Done. Show <up> tomorrow.
0: <laughs> I know. I'm i there. I would love to learn from you. I think it'd be so fun.
1: Oh, it'd be okay. awesome. We could do a project. Oh, we should. You want to you yeah, want to collab? <laughs> yes. No, I'm serious. Let's do it. <laughs> That'd be awesome. That'd be super Use, fun. If you're scared of uh, like getting an expensive piece of wood, I have a little stack of like coffee table. Oh my god. Slice slabs. Let's just build one.
0: Okay.
1: Yeah, we'll go from there.
0: Make it work. I'm 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 about yeah. it. I think that's great. Okay. But I love that you're gonna look into the robotic arm. I think it's really a smart idea. And you're right. It sucks that there's almost this job, I don't want to say job shame, but it's people are not as drawn to the trades as they should be. And I wish they mm-hmm. were because it's such a phenomenal way to make money.
1: Tons of money. So people coming money, out right? of welding or plumbers, like. Men and women both can like make so much money.
0: Like,
1: mm-hmm. <clears throat> I would have never thought like building furniture. And I'm a small fish doing this. Would it opens up so many doors? And even like you said, electricians like it's a hard career in a lot of schooling and stuff. But not like a typical university, right? No, they're not like like you say they're not coming out of electrician school with 125k, but, you know, and. Man. But they're coming out with maybe twenty grand in debt or whatever, Mm -hmm. and they're making seventy five thousand dollars a year, which is phenomenal, really. Which is it's awesome. So I have a ton of respect for people in the trades, Um, and then giving people the confidence to be like, you know what, like I potentially could start my own company. Mm -hmm. And have you seen that? So this is my observation in our market, particularly. I've been talking to a lot of vendors and my suppliers. And they're saying a lot of the people that are any good, they own their own company. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it's a specific marketplace thing or if that's everywhere.
0: It does um, seem that way.
1: Yeah. And so they're like, oh, the designers, if she's super good, like she's not going to work for me. She's got her own firm.
0: Mm-hmm. And,
1: or if like, you know, yeah, he does really good welding, like he has his own welding shop. <laughs> yep.
0: That's <laughs> so, how it goes. That is interesting. Um, it's a so, different observation for sure.
1: Yeah. But mad respect for the trades. I think you said it, you nailed it right on the head. People, you know, I think it is kind of like a job shame thing. Like, oh, you're a, you're a plumber or like you're a whatever. I don't know. Yeah. And I think that it'll be really interesting to see the, what the trades turn into. There will always be jobs that are like technician jobs, you know, mm-hmm.
0: it's a very, um, very good point. It'll be fun yeah. to watch over the next few years, but yeah I, yeah, I do agree with you. I think you're, you're hitting on some good points. We could easily chatter about this for hours about yeah. <laughs> the trades and why they're so important.
1: <laughs> yeah, totally. it
0: really does matter. Um, yeah. Alex, I have had so much fun chatting with you and I want to make sure that everybody can go find your work, maybe purchase some furniture from you. Cause your, your work is so, so pretty. So where Thanks. do people go to learn a little bit more about you?
1: Yeah, so if you're, you know, listening to this in your in your living room or at your you're driving right now or something like that, and you're just you've been talking about like, oh, I want this coffee table, or I've seen this thing on Instagram or whatever. Yep. Like, I help people bring that to their home or their office or whatever. So the best place to do is when you're pulled over and you're not like driving or whatever. Just go <laughs> to HarderTimber.com and there's a yellow button that says get a quote. Um, just tap that. It comes right to my phone. Uh, and the process is really easy. We talk through what it is you want. I give you a quote, you give me the yes or no. Mm -hmm. Um, we finalize all the details and then I end up delivering it to you, whether it's shipping across the country, I've shipped to South Carolina from Boise, New York. Um, or if it's right here in town, um, it's really, really straightforward. And, uh, other than that, if you want some inspiration, go to Instagram or TikTok. Uh, they're both just at heart of timber and check out some of the stuff we're doing, Um, get some inspiration. I'm sure you have your own style, but yeah, we, uh, we build a lot of cool stuff and we're just excited to, uh, help people bring that to life. You know,
0: it's amazing. Alex, I am so grateful for your time before we officially part ways. are you down for some rapid fire questions? Yep. All right. Okay. Let's do it. First question for you. Are you a morning or an evening person morning? Okay. So what's your current morning routine?
1: i um, 5 a.m. Wake up. I'm a spiritual person. So I go out and read and pray coffee with my wife. I actually gave up caffeine. Um, oh, yeah. Crazy. So drink coffee, love coffee, but I was getting chest pains. So, uh, <laughs> uh, so have coffee with my wife and we spend some time together. Kids wake up six 30 and we start from the day, you know, go from there.
0: Love it. That's so cute. I love that. And I didn't really should give up coffee or caffeine.
1: Hey, caffeine. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so I love tea, but non-caffeinated tea.
0: Crazy, and you've been feeling yeah. better.
1: I feel great. I would. I was just so stressed out, and then when I drank coffee, I felt like my heart was going to explode.
0: Probably was, man. Yeah, so <laughs> cut it out.
1: Just cold turkey, dude. And it, it, like, felt great. huh
0: I mean, I can't say that I'm going to try that yet, but give me another, <laughs> give me another year yeah. and maybe a couple kids. kids. <laughs> <Yep. laughs> maybe that's a secret.
1: Yeah. There you okay.
0: Go. So let's pretend this is post COVID. Where is one location you're dying to travel to? I'd
1: love to take my family to Hawaii. Mm-hmm. Um, I I've went there. I was fortunate to go twice in my childhood. It was beautiful, warm, sandy beaches. I had Rocky beaches growing up. So sandy beaches, um, warm weather, Hawaii would be great. Um, I also, I mean, I'm, when my kids are older, I want to go on like an exploratory adventure, like go to a small town in like Peru, like Mm -hmm. go backpacking and just like try, you know, not in an unsafe way, but like try and see what life's like in like a small town of uh, somewhere in the world, you know, that would be
0: such a good experience for your kids too.
1: Yeah. I think perspective is, is huge and I want to expose them to that. And I don't care if they go to school. I don't care if they are a artist or what I just want them to be the best at what they want to be at. And if traveling and exposing them to those things is what does it then sweet.
0: So awesome. Love that. So, yeah.
1: Thanks. What's,
0: what's one book that you find yourself gifting to others most often or recommending?
1: First one that just came to mind is the alchemist. Mm. um, classic Pablo something. Um, can't remember the, ar- the author's name. That's Cole, a classic
0: Cleo or something weird.
1: Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. Um, that's a good one. Um, and I've, I've read, but I read, so I listen to audiobooks when I'm sanding, which is nice. Mm. I'm very fortunate that I've, uh, I've got a habit of that. So I, I think I read, I think I do about a book a week is probably what it comes down to. It's pretty good. Um, that's a good one. another interesting one that was like a change of pace for me. Uh, it's called the fish that ate the whale. It's about a, a Russian Jewish man that came to America and figured out how to hustle bananas. Huh. And he gained so much power that he influenced the United States government. Whoa,
0: dude, I'm going to yeah. check into that one.
1: Yeah. So it's interesting. Um, man, there are, there are a lot of books. Do you have a specific topic? Is your audience specifically finance
0: or yeah? Yeah, only money books. No kidding. (laughs) You can only
1: listen to (laughs) Tony Robbins, Dave Ramsey, and the other people. (laughs) That's it. (laughs) That's so funny.
0: I think those are really good suggestions because it's very universal to everybody. So I think those are awesome. Are you ready for our final question? Yep. Final countdown. I won't. Okay. (laughs) Okay. So final question for you is in your opinion, what is the secret to financial success?
1: First word that comes to mind is sacrifice. I have wanted so many things in life. Mm. Um, and I found out that when I buy, I work hard for them and I wait and then I still want them and I buy them. I feel better about it. So sacrifice is my answer to that because a lot of things have come into my life that I've been very fortunate. My wife, I love my wife to death, the kids. um, So they naturally have come first now. And Mm -hmm. so if I'm like, I want a Tesla, I don't know, you know, that'd be super cool. But it's also like, man, that also doesn't give you the opportunity to take a day off and spend time with your kids. Or if we're we're in a conversation right now of, do we try and finance for private or private or public education? Mm -hmm. And, If we choose that we want to work hard enough for private education, then I don't make enough money to own a Tesla, you know, right now. So sacrifice. And then I think a lot of people write about this and I've, a lot of your content talks about this too, as like basically flexing your income to the lifestyle that you want. Like Mm. if you want that, go make more money, flip furniture on the side, go sell something else. And if you want to go on that trip, like there are so many ways to make money. So to me, the sacrifice is time. I'm gonna give up my Netflix. I'm gonna give up my scroll and I'm gonna go hustle, you know, two end tables tonight. I'm gonna make $75. I'm gonna put that shit in an envelope. Yep. <laughs> you know. <clears throat> so we do the envelope sometimes. Sometimes we sell some things and we just like write Jack's preschool or like Molly's <laughs> and awesome. It's in a fire safe. So yeah, that's that's our goal long term is, is eventually financial, <clears throat> excuse me, uh financial peace and uh financial freedom of. I would love to cash flow more than my income but we're we're not there yet so
0: love 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 the sacrifice message i can yeah. totally get behind that too and <laughs> unfortunately it's everything comes at a cost and whatever you say yes to you say no to something else
1: yeah exactly
0: jangard you're the best thank you so much for hanging out it was so fun to catch up yeah. with you too and hear how your business has changed
1: yeah thank you for having me it's awesome um I just want to encourage everybody that's listening. Whitney is a rock star. She's crushing it. She continues to. Rock star. Um, no. And so uh, well, I'm honored to be on here with you and um, you. I'm excited to to know you and be friends.
0: Likewise. And congrats yeah. on the upcoming babe too. That's super exciting.
1: Baby girl. We're pumped.
0: Oh, I love that. Yeah. That's so fun. Well, I yeah. will definitely be chatting with you soon. Thank you again for yeah. your time. Yeah. Thanks Whit. All right. What'd you think? I loved this episode. I thought it was so interesting. And I definitely took a few furniture flipping tips from Alex to apply to my own side hustle. Loved it so much. I'd love to hear from you. What was your favorite part? What were your takeaways? More than anything, did this inspire you to take your side hustle to the next level? If it did, make sure you let me know by tagging me on Instagram. I'm at Whitney underscore Hanson underscore co. And I would love to connect with you too. Let me know what part of this episode really resonated with you. And I will see you on Friday for five tip Friday or next week for another episode of the money nerds podcast. Bye.